Tonight I want to begin sharing a parable with you or a fable that's found in one of Max Licato's books. And he tells us about this, there's uh, a king with two sons. And the sons brought uh, their father a question. Here's the question. Is a gentleman born or made? And the father turned the question back on them. What do you think? And one said, a gentleman is made. And the other son said that a gentleman was born. And the father sent the sons off to find an example that provided or proved their theories. So the sons went off to find their proof and bring it back and present it to the king and the kingdom. The first son, who thought that a gentleman was made or made, found his example in a cafe. He found a cat in a cafe serving tables. Obviously, fable. <laughs> that makes sense now, right? The cat had been trained, had a uniform. He could take an order, carry a tray, and bring the order to the table. Meow, meow, meow. <laughs> the first son had his example. If a cat could be trained to do that, couldn't a man be trained to be a gentleman? Now, the other son, the one who believed that a gentleman was born, was not so fortunate. And time drew near to make their presentation, and he had, not, uh, had found nothing at the time. Worse yet, word had leaked about his brother's example. But just hours before uh, the assigned time of the presentation to their father, the second son saw something that made him smile. And the first son demonstrated first in before the king and the kingdom. He had his trained cat serve everyone in the court. Meow, meow, meow. And, and the father, and as the father and the others were watching, they were all impressed that a cat could be trained to do that. The second son then stepped forward with a sack in his hand. Opening his sack, he released several mice into the court. And instantly the cat scampered after the mice, and the cat's true nature was revealed. Tempted with the one thing that the cat could not resist, the cat was proven uh, to be a cat. And for us as people, as Christians, we are like that as well. Uh, we can dress up, we can clean up, we can work on our habits, um, we can sit in church every Sunday... But when confronted with that which we cannot resist, we will go back to our sin nature. And we cannot change on our own. Even though we can make it look nice on the outside, there must be something that changes on the inside. The Bible teaches us that we must be born again. And church, that's what I want to talk about with you a little bit tonight. Um, that Christ has come... Not for you to clean yourself up and look nice. He has come to radically change your life. He has come to transform your heart. So we're going to read through some scripture tonight. And I have a few things to share. And we will proceed in our service. So we're looking at a letter from Paul to the Ephesian church. And he says here in chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, uh, they're greedy to practice every kinds of impurity. But that is not the way 
you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. In verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. We're putting off something that is old. We're putting off something that is new, created after like, the likeness of God in true righteousness and a good message for our age. Holiness. The Christians are called, they are saved from something unto something. We are saved from sin to salvation, sanctification. Let's pray tonight. Father in heaven, we love you and we are thankful that we are even able to come and partake in this kind of a ceremony where we're able to sing to you, to give to you, uh, to commune with you just like the disciples have been doing for 2,000 years. And Lord, tonight there's another part of this ceremony. It is a ceremony where we are devoting our heart to you. And whatever it may be, we pray um, that you are in this with us, that we want to give you our heart that you may transform it, that we pursue you with all that we are, that we have new desires, that we don't desire the old way of life, that we desire your life. In Jesus' name, amen. So church, here we are. It's already Ash Wednesday. This is actually our third annual service. I had never done one of these until I moved to Casper, and I was at one church, and I wanted to start doing a Good Friday service, and I was talking to the administrator there, and I was like, what do you think about starting a Good Friday service? And she was like, it's too Catholic. I was like, a Good Friday service is too Catholic? And it was just funny to think about how things have come into the church and people have negative views of things. I embrace the church calendar. I embrace the things that help us draw in and be closer to God, that bring us and give us opportunities to draw in closer to Him. So Ash Wednesday is this time. Yesterday was actually Fat Tuesday. Did any of you guys get fat? I'm already there, so I didn't have to, I didn't have to celebrate that. Um, but here it is, Ash Wednesday is a time where we are putting off some things in a season of preparing for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a 40 days as if Christ in the wilderness where he prayed and fasted. And so we want to do that as a Christian people, and uh, we're going to talk about a few things tonight, uh, but it is as we prepare for Easter, Resurrection Sunday, that's what I like to call it. Resurrection Sunday is the Christian Super Bowl Sunday. That is what we look forward to, it's an awesome time to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as you know, I've spent a lot of time working toward us grasping what it means to be a Christian, especially here in the 21st century, what it means to be Christ-like. That we're called not just to take the name Christian, but we are to take the very life of Christ and pursue Him with all that we are. So two years ago, I spoke about laying aside every weight that hinders. I remember it well. I remember the illustration I used, and I used the Scripture from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. You see it here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I used my sea bag from the Navy, which is very heavy when you put all your stuff in it, as an illustration of how hard it is to move forward to 
walk if you're carrying a weight. So as Christians, we are to lay aside things that hinder our devotion. And even sins, we are supposed to put those aside that prevent our devotion to Christ. Actually, we lighten the load so that we can live better for Christ. Now last year, I moved a little bit beyond the sea bag and I looked at boot camp. We talked about boot camp and basic training. And I shared from Paul's letter to Timothy. He says, share in the sufferings as a good soldier. So there's military language here and how we're to serve Jesus Christ. So we are to share in the sufferings as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Not, uh, and no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who has enlisted him. And we talked about boot camp, we talked about basic training, which is exactly that, that we are to train ourselves in the basic things of Christianity, to develop this relationship with Christ, to learn doctrine as we pursue Him. And we have to develop um, better behaviors and habits. Uh, Being in boot camp radically changes you. It's so intense that we stay on patterns today that we developed in the military. I still have to eat at a certain time. There's things that I have to do in my behavior that I learned when I was 19 years old, you know, years ago. And it was that um, intense that I remember that and still live that way. But ultimately, the discipline that I learned in the military was not a punishment. It was to train me to be a better soldier or a better sailor. And we as Christians should be able to say no to certain things and yes to the things of God. We should be disciplined enough to say no to the things of the world, that we can say yes to the things in the plan of God. And for tonight, we're going to go a little bit deeper. And I want to deal with our desires. So not just devotion, not just discipline, but our very desires. Again, Paul tells us to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. That is who I used to be. That is not who I am anymore. It is corrupt through deceitful desires. My old self had desires that were wrong. I do not desire things the way I used to. The things of God satisfy. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self which is made new in Christ. It is ultimately Jesus Christ in us. And righteousness we see here. And holiness. You see, our desires say everything about us. What I desire says something about who I am as a Christ follower, as a a parent, as a husband, and as a pastor. And I fully believe devotion to God matters and living a disciplined life. But if our desires do not change, eventually we will give in and go back to the old. So I can devote for a while to God. I can discipline myself for a season. But if the heart and my desires of my heart do not change, I will, as we talked about Sunday, I I can depart, I can leave, I can go back to the old manner of life. And the good news is that our God is in the business of radically changing people. That is what He is in the business of doing. It is good news. Why is it good news? Because sin corrupts. Sin uh, destroys. And we believe the gospel. We embrace the good news of Jesus Christ and His life transformation. He is in the business of even changing the way we think. He changes our very mind. I think differently 
as a man who is 46 and been pursuing Jesus as long as I am. So then we put on the new self, the new creation in Christ. Now raise your hand if you've heard of Mardi Gras. Right? When I was in the Navy, I heard of it. I didn't even know what it was. People were like, dude, we're going to go down to Mardi Gras, down to Louisiana and party and all this kind of stuff. And I would see, you know, video on the news. And I just knew it was some kind of a party celebration. And, and people wanted to go there and get drunk and, and, and live in the world. Um, did you know it's supposed to be a Christian celebration? We've always heard about people going to party and you've seen things you probably shouldn't see and what they're giving beads for and all those things and the floats and all that crazy stuff. It is actually the celebration of Fat Tuesday. It is the indulgence. Now, originally the indulgence was to, if you're putting aside certain foods as you fast toward Easter, you set aside some butter. On Fat Tuesday, if you got butter in the house, you want to go ahead and eat it all up, Right? If you have breads and sugars, you're like, oh, yeah, now I hide stuff all over the house. I can't get rid of all of it. Um, but I have my stashes, you know. Um, but the Fat Tuesday was to say, get the stuff out, indulge on Tuesday, because Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, begins Lent, and we're going to be fasting, and you don't want those things in your house. But it has become distorted. And now Mardi Gras is just a big celebration of sin. They're indulging in wickedness. I mean, it is like Sodom and Gomorrah. One of uh, the presidents, that is, of Wesley Biblical Seminary, a uh, seminary I'm attending presently, Dr. Matt Ayers, was sharing a story of when he lived in Haiti for 13 years. And he said they would have a big Mardi Gras service, so this celebration. But sadly, he said the same thing I was sharing with you. It was used to, as a time of indulging in the flesh and in sins, uh, the very things that destroy our lives and corrupt us. So when they would enter into Lent and, and they're trying to discipline themselves now after indulging in sin, now they're trying to resist temptation uh, from going back to th things that satisfy. The sins that they thought satisfied their hunger. And that's what he said is a fundamental misunderstanding of what the gospel is. It's not that something that I go back to is something that I desire and that satisfies. You see, Dr. Ayers, while he was living in Haiti all those years, said they would often go out and evangelize in the city, and they would try to share the gospel with witch doctors. When you hear of witch doctors and voodoo, you think of, you know, a hundred years ago and decades ago, they still exist today around the world, but they wanted to share the gospel. They felt like if they could win the witch doctors, they could win the village because they would remove their influence in the village. And they would ask them, do you know the gospel? And these witch doctors would say, yes. And to be sure, they would explain the gospel again. Do you, do you really understand the gospel? Do you want to become a Christian? And when they would ask that, they would say, no. And Dr. Ayers and their group would ask, why not? And they would say that we understand the gospel. We believe it. The truth that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross, that He rose again. Um, but I, I know that if I become a Christian, I have to stop doing the things that I love. Now, you know a lot of people that think that way. He said, or the witch doctor would say, I have to give up the indulgences of the flesh that my current commitments and job allow me to do. 
There's a certain measure of things that I can do as a witch doctor. Then Dr. Ayers would say, that's where you have misunderstood the gospel. He said, yes, we become Christians. We do have to give up those things. We sacrifice those things. We stop. We want to stop sinning and indulging in the flesh. But the key part of the gospel is that when the Holy Spirit fills us up, our very desires change. It's not that I'm turning from something I love. It's that now I have the Holy Spirit that has cleansed my heart, that has changed my very desires, and I don't desire those things anymore. So it's not that we're keeping you from doing things that you love. It's that you've been saved and sanctified, and you don't even want those things anymore. Temptation obviously doesn't go away, but the Holy Spirit can radically transform our lives and our very desires, the things that we hungered for in the flesh, the things that destroy us, the life-transforming power of the gospel changes us. So for the real Christian, no sin should satisfy. You remember Dan Bohai that came here for a revival? I heard him preaching a message. And he said, I've heard men say for years that I hate pornography. I can't stand that I get into that. And this is what Dan Bohai said. He said, you don't hate it. He said, you love it. That's why you still do it. If you've been radically changed and saved and your heart has been made pure, you don't love it anymore. You don't even want to go near it, and you would do everything possible to not engage in those things. And we could name a list of things tonight. When the Holy Spirit comes, it gives us holy desires, holy motivations, holy inspirations. There's things now I want to do to serve God that I would have never done before. Because I love God. I love everything He has to offer. I love kingdom business. I love His plan. I love His goodness. And I love it so much, now I can see everything else was destroying my life. I do not love those things. I don't want to go back and indulge in those things. And that's where Mardi Gras and Ash Wednesday and Lent has been distorted. It's not, I'm indulging in these things and I'm going to fast from them for a while and then re-engage in those things. It's that my desires have now changed. I depart from those things and I'm fully in love with Jesus Christ. And ultimately, that is the true gospel. The gospel that gives us freedom from sin. I am freed from this bondage. So the message we preach is that your heart is changed and it changes your very desires. Um, you don't want to do those things anymore. You love God. You love everything He has to offer. So tonight, as we begin Lent, sometimes we give up certain things. And maybe it's caffeine, something simple. Maybe it's sugar. Uh, we typically will give up TV for a while just to spend more time in devotion with God. Um, but those are things that we can do on the normal, in, in any normal time. My thing tonight that I want to share with you is that wouldn't it be great to maybe give up any sin that may be creeping in. Maybe something that you felt like, you know, I, I, I still love this thing from time to time, and I've been hopping back and forth. But maybe we would say tonight, tonight's the night of victory. Tonight where I realize that I put off the old self. I put on the new man in Christ Jesus. And those things don't satisfy anymore. And as we approach the resurrection, 
as we approach Easter and we're done with our season of Lent, our season of fasting and praying, that we continue to live that way. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank You for this moment in time just to focus on You. And I pray that our devotion radically changes. That we devote all that we are to You. Lord, that we discipline our lives not just to look a certain way or act a certain way, but we are training to serve You, to live for You. And ultimately, that Your Holy Spirit breathes new life into us tonight. Uh, That we have new desires as we come and present ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.